Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, and yes, sir, you know I got to get paid. High five ball, belted right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, and yes, sir, you know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, belted right, welcome to the show. Twenty-five lighters on my twenty-five folks. Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero Triple One. Talking about episode 111. Dylan and Doc here with you. Brought to you by our good friends at Armchair Media and our friends at LinkedIn. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your role fast. LinkedIn Jobs has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job posts in front of the most qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire. People with all the skills, qualifications, and other interests that really help your business grow. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want. Get the first $50 off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash Braves. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash Braves, B-R-A-V-E-S, to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Doc, we took a week off last week, and I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten to say this to anybody because, as you know, we're all kind of stuck in our own little hobbit holes. Um, April seems like, for how slow March was moving, April seems like it's moving pretty fast. Absolutely. Uh, March lasted about 71 years and I just April's over within a, the blink of an eye, which is which is OK. You know, we were all kind of figuring out what was going to happen and figuring out where the edges of the box were. And now that that's clearly defined and uh, people are taking the necessary steps, then time appears to be moving back at its regular rate. And, and I'm fine with that. Well, it also, you know, it also helps that uh, for anybody wondering, I haven't talked about my son in a while. I am officially three months away from being a father. 
Um, that could also be an explanation for why time is shooting forward. That's true. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling? And uh, and how is your lovely wife? We're pretty good. He's moving around a whole lot, which is fun to see. We're starting to find out what shows and which voices that he likes to hear by how much he's moving. I don't know if that's exactly scientific, but uh, it helps whenever it's something that I like versus something that she likes. Because if he's, you know, if he doesn't move during one of her, you know, dumb shows or whatever music she listens to, then I can be like, yeah, see, he doesn't like it. Listen to the stuff that I like. It's a shame that there's not more more sports or any sports really going on right now to kind of gauge that and see how he would respond to it. I mean, there's some some Chinese baseball or some Taiwanese baseball going right now. If you get the your schedule lined up just right, you might be able to, uh, you know, to see how he responds to it. My plan is to start playing the 95 World Series on my phone, put in headphones, set the headphones over her stomach. See, there you go. And and they're doing, you know, this week they're replaying the 95. So this is your one chance to to show your son what it's like to have the the Braves team that was actually able to get over the hump and and make it all the way to the end. Have you been rewatching any of those? I rewatched game 2 and uh I couldn't remember whether the Braves actually won that one or not, so it was the first time that I've had that type of interest in a game in a really long time. So it was cool when when uh, Javi Lopez hit the home run and then picked off Ramirez off first base in the seventh inning or eighth inning or whatever. That was actually like a get your heart racing moment. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah, it was uh, it was cool. I know you had said you don't really like watching the the older games. Have you softened your stance on that at all? Nope i I can't do it. I can't watch. I can't watch sporting events that I know the outcome to. Like for football, I'll rewatch certain games to rewatch certain players, but I won't watch the whole game. Like I'll I'll just find the breakdowns of players and watch that. Like I can't I can't get invested in something that I already know the outcome. And I I do understand that. I mean this this one this World Series was the booth was Bob Costas, Joe Morgan and Bob Euchre. So, I mean, at the time, I didn't know that Bob Euchre was actually a broadcaster for the Brewers. I just knew him as Harry Doyle. I thought that he was a broadcaster for the Indians. So that part of it was really cool, hearing Joe Morgan and Bob Costas, like, all that time ago, back before they were hardened by the industry or whatever. And, I mean, Bob Euchre still exactly the same as he was all that time ago. So it's a... it was cool not knowing the outcome, but when you look at, like, game six, you know, they, they won it in six games, and you also know Justice hits the home run in the sixth inning, and, you know, we've got the we've got the call for the end of the World Series and the intro to the show, so we obviously know how that one happened. So, a one nothing game, which is what happened in game six, spoilers ahead for anybody who's trying to watch this on Saturday <laughs> night, is uh, re-watching that would probably be infinitely harder than watching it in real time, because it... Oh, in real time, the nerves would have been through the roof. Yeah. Rewatching, you'd be thinking, dude, this is the most boring game ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what you do at that point is you just you record the whole thing, you fast forward into the sixth when Justice hits the home run, and you celebrate, and then and then whatever. But, I mean, you have the advantage of, of knowing that you can kind of relax a little bit when you're, when you're watching the game 25 years later. Yeah, yeah it, it's just one of those weird things I've never been able to do. I've never been able to to rewatch games like that. Uh, even if I record a game, I just stay off of all social media and away from my phone until I get home in time to actually watch the game recording. So even then, like I, I can't know the outcome of something or I'll lose all interest in it. And I've, I've tried to do the same thing where I would wind up getting two or three innings behind. And, but then I just find myself going, what am I doing? I can just check what the score is. And then if anything noteworthy happens, 
then I can just go back and, and watch that. The universe is giving me a pass and saying, I can save you 40 minutes if you want to just fast forward to the end of this. So it, it can be, it can be kind of hard to, to know what the outcome is, especially with, with something now. Speaking about being hard to know what the outcome is, 2020 baseball season has been a very difficult beast to try to figure out. We've had a lot of different, <clears throat> a lot of different ideas thrown around, a lot of different uh, thought processes on whether or not the game actually gets played this year or if they skip right to 2021. You have been famously pessimistic on there being a 2020 season, but that's all changed earlier this week when we saw yet another proposal come out where. Even you are starting to come around. Even your ice-cold heart is starting to melt a little bit, and you're starting to join me on the light side of the force here, where it really does, the more and more of these proposals that come out, the more and more likely it is that we're actually going to have baseball in 2020. And a lot of the stuff that came out in this latest piece was stuff that you and I have been talking about on the show, talking about starting up right after the All-Star break, which to me has always made the most sense. I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't. Talking about it being a 100-game schedule, um, which we'll, we'll see how that goes, but 100 games would be not forcing too many doubleheaders on everybody. We talked about that on the show either two or three weeks ago. A lot of stuff is starting to come out, and they're starting to find some ways that would at least make it pretty likely we'll see some form of baseball in 2020. And obviously, you guys have already seen the major things of the report we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, but, Doc, I just want to say, are you fully on board with me now? It's not often that you are the one who's playing Obi-Wan and I'm the one who's playing Vader. It's It's been a really cool role reversal there. I think part of my nervousness about the whole thing was I don't want to get my hopes up and be let down. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic guy as, as things go, um, especially as it pertains to baseball. But the amount of uncertainty that has been prevalent in this whole thing for the past six, seven, eight weeks, however long it's been, it, it's... It's been really dark, and it's it just kind of, I hate to say that it came at a bad time, because it's never a good time for a pandemic, but this has been completely unique. This has been a, a completely unique two months, and now that it appears things are softening a little bit, and there's growing optimism in, in every corner, it's not just the owners are saying, yeah, we're going to have baseball, and the players are like, yeah, that's easy for you to say. It seems like there's a, a really strong surge that that this could happen. So I'm fully on board. I've always wanted it to happen. I just have been very nervous about the fact whether it would or would not. So we have looked into the Arizona proposal. We looked at the Arizona and Florida proposal. Now there's one that's got three distinct divisions. I think if you can set it up that way to where it's geographically friendly to where if they were doing the Arizona plan, then the Braves were going to wind up playing all of their their games at 9.40 at night, which is which is no good. An entire season of West Coast games might be worse than an entire season that just doesn't take place at all. And if you can set it Speak up... Speak for yourself. I'm a grown... I'm an old man. I'm not even a grown man. I'm just an old man with a job that i got to get up for early in the morning. Well, so. I was going to say that I'm up anyway, but I'm going to have a son... A newborn baby son, so you actually might be right on that. I might be, I might be at the point where I might be so tired that I pass out at like eight o'clock. Right. I, I texted you at eight thirty this morning, and you texted me back at one thirty. I keep thinking, God, that must be nice. That must be oh, so I didn't nice. sleep. I didn't sleep that long today. I had a. Uh, I was not. Uh, I was going a little bit stir crazy. Uh, so I was actually outside with my dogs, and just sitting there making them run around in the random grass. I was, I was, I had reached peak boredom. 
I understand. I do understand. So if if we've got if we have a season that we can we can have some some logical geographic divisions, which it's not going to be a huge change from what is currently in place. The Braves and the Pirates would be the only two teams that are that are switching divisions. Braves would go in the central, and Pirates would go back east. Which, I mean, they're both kind of on the bubble anyway. It's not like it makes that big of a deal. But you can have teams that are in three 10-team leagues and set it up to where you've got extra teams in the wild card. There seems to be a way to actually get this done. And if it can start end of June, start of July, maybe if something happens and they have to push it back to, to being right there at the, the all-star break, that's fine. And it'll minimize the amount of days off. I don't think most people are going to care, least of all the fans, the players. I'm sure there will be some very unhappy players during the course of this season. And as a man of the people, I really just don't care. I hope I hope nobody gets hurt. If somebody's mad, I can handle that. If they get hurt, that's a different story, but we we're yeah. right there. This we're we, two months from now. We could we could have our first episode of the season, and that's just so exciting. Oh, thank goodness! I'd be so ready to get done with the off season content, move into actual baseball talk. But just looking at this proposal, I mean, this is kind of similar to one of the ones we were talking about the the last show we did, uh, where it'd be different divisions and everything. But this is very interesting because they're basically just combining the AL and the NL. Uh, which some people are worried about. That means they'll get the idea for the future. Uh, but the the way that the divisions stack up is actually very interesting because we, we'd be playing a lot of teams that we don't play normally anyway, but there's still a lot of storyline. And the way that I understand it, it would be you're not going to play outside of your division. You're going to play only the teams in that division until you get to the tournament at the end of the year. Uh, they're going to expand the tournament. I'm certain. I, I re- honestly, I'd be better. I'd be happy if they didn't call it a World Series. If they just called it like you know World Champs or something like that, or whatever the WBC calls their champion. Just another signifier that hey, this is a little bit of a different season. But I like the look of a lot of this. I know a lot of Braves fans are, are waking up when they when they saw this. Probably thought a little bit weird. Like how are the Braves in the Central? It's one of those weird geographic things where people don't where. It's hard to consider that Atlanta's actually further west than Detroit. So the Braves were in the NL West for a real reason because they were the furthest. They were further west than a lot of teams in the Central and basically everybody in the East. So the Braves playing in the Central Division, that would open up a lot of fun matchups with a lot of really, really good, really young players. There was some some kickback about the fact that the Braves would move divisions and and I certainly see you. We spent years building up rivalries against the Mets and the Phillies, and ever since the Expos became the Nationals, I don't really consider that that the Braves and Marlins have that much of a, a rivalry at this point because I, I don't hate them nearly as much as the other teams. But when you start looking at the opportunity to see players that we never get to see, like people talk all the time, baseball doesn't know how to market its stars, which it's unfortunate, but it's true. And so from the Braves' standpoint, we don't get to see Mike Trout. We don't get to see... I mean, we're not going to get to see Anthony Rendon anymore either, or Otani, or any other great players that don't play for the Angels. But what this does do, if the Braves go from being in a five-team division with the Phillies, Mets, Nationals, and Marlins, they're going to be in a division now with, with the Cubs. So we get to see Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, uh... Contreras and Baez and Kyle Hendricks and some of their great players 
occasionally through the year. But you also get the White Sox, who the Braves very rarely see. Very interesting team there. you got Eloy Jimenez. You've got Dylan Cease. You've got Luis Robert or Luis Robert, depending whether he's French or not. Uh, you've got, let's see, the Twins. You've got Josh Donaldson, who could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, depending on how, how this works out. Nelson Cruz, Jose Barrios. Uh, the Indians would be in the division, so you get Lindor and Ramirez and Bieber and Clevenger. It, this is so cool. This is an opportunity for Braves fans to see a bunch of players that they never have the opportunity to see. And who knows, they might wind up developing a, a love-hate relationship with Eloy Jimenez, which last year would have been basically impossible. So there's some really interesting guys that we'll be exposed to. Like, who are you most excited to see in this new division setup? Oh, it, well, without a doubt, it's Francisco Lindor for, for a couple reasons. But I would be lying to you if I didn't say chief among those was that so people would stop this stupid would-you-rather-have-Lindor or Dansby argument. Um, because there, there is only one answer, and I, I'm excited because a lot of people, because they don't watch the Indians a lot, like, I've got people telling me that he's not a top 10 player, that he's not a top 15 player, like, I'm very, I'm going to be very excited to watch him every day, basically, and be able to see him consistently, so people can start to, so people can kind of see exactly how good Francisco Lindor is, because it doesn't do it justice, you don't see guys with the offensive firepower and the defensive chops that Lindor has. that's I'm really excited to see him. Uh, Luis Robert is an absolute stud. I'm really excited to see his season. You already know I'm a big Eloy Jimenez fan. But there's a lot of guys that I'm going to be really excited to get to see a lot. Like, I love watching Javi Baez play. So it'll be fun to see him a fair bit without having to watch, you know, WGN all the time. And even for the bad teams in, in this... Obviously, by the way, obviously Nelson Cruz is... I am a gigantic NC Boomstick guy. Oh, and have been forever since I've known you. But even even the, the bad teams in, in this division have some interesting guys. The, the Royals, they've got Whit Merrifield and Jorge Soler. So I don't expect this to be a long-term fix. So you look at a team like the, the Tigers. The odds of being able to see Matt Manning and Casey Mize and Joey Wentz when he eventually gets there. I don't think that, that long-term this is going to be something, but for 2020 in this gloriously busted version of a season that we are shaping up to have, could be really, really interesting there. And it also calls to mind, think about all of the different players that drive you crazy that the Braves have to see all the time. The, we don't have to see them anymore. Syndergaard was out with Tommy Ugh. John, which is fine. No, but no Jeff McNeil. No, Ugh. Hate Jeff McNeil. He's so good. I can't stand him for how He's, good he, he is. He is the most annoying guy to face because you can't get him out. Ever. He's he's like he's like Trey Turner, who's another person on this list that I'm so excited that the the Nationals will be in the East. They'll be playing the Yankees and the Mets and the Phil and everybody. We're not going to have to see it, but it's possible. It is entirely possible that you could wind up getting a Braves Nationals World Series or two division rivals or two teams from that are normally in the same league that whether they call it a World Series or whatever they call it, that the championship game could be two teams that would, un, under different circumstances, never face each other in a championship series. I think the other thing that is important to remember here for people like me who are out for blood is now we can destroy the Cardinals, hit them a lot in that one game, and still be the team to keep them out of the tournament at the end. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for that. They thought they could get away with you know, one attack. Oh, well, we barely play them. Ha, ha, ha. How are you going to get back? Well, now you're screwed. 
about to find out. So, all types of new storylines. And this season... What are you going to do? You're going to suspend somebody for the weird 2020? <laughs> right? And, and the rules of discipline and how... If, you're, if you've got expanded rosters, too... I've seen the number 29 kicked around for the active roster. I've seen 30 as well. If you really want to start some nonsense with the Cardinals and you've got extra pitchers to burn, because you don't want to go through, you know, go through a starter. You know, you hit whoever's leading off for St. Louis and then you're down a guy. Well, if you've got expanded pitching, then, I mean, if you want to get vindictive, you can get vindictive. And they're going to have to redo the whole schedule based on whatever alignment they choose, whether it's this one or a different one. And if the Braves and the Cardinals wind up in the same division, then there's also the possibility that both the last game the Braves played and the next game that the Braves play can be against St. Louis. So the retribution, if they choose to go that route, good start early. Not just against St. Louis. It could be against Jack Flaherty. Yeah, that's true. He would certainly be the guy on the mound. Hmm. Oh, see, I'm all for that. You you talked about if you want to get vindictive, I want to get vindictive. And I I think that it would it would be it would be Soroka on the mound uh, more than more than likely. If as long as oh nothing, sure nothing silly happens, so Soroka versus Flaherty would be probably Soroka would be a little more cerebral and choose to not take the take the revenge route, but if Fulton came that. in and just went through the Went through the lineup once. Nah, I'm, I'm just pontificating on, on revenge. And I'm you don't know that. Soro- that. Soroka's Canadian. They're big Canadian fans. Or they're big hockey fans. Hockey has fights all the time. You might. You don't know. Soroka might be a closet crazy person. Maybe he'll just, instead of throwing at him, he'll just run up straight for the batter's box and just check him. So, right. You know, as he's walking down to first base. Just bah, right into the stands where nobody's in there. Right. One thing that I uh, one thing that I do want to talk about a little bit is I I didn't see it in the article and I could have just missed it is uh is it going to be a universal DH or or, or what's the deal going to be? I don't think that that has been decided yet or it, if it has it's it's completely eluded me. I I would imagine that all bets are off for this year and that that would probably if they wanted to do a beta test on having the a universal DH this is be really the perfect time. best chance. And I, I, I would love to I would love to do that because it takes away Brian Snicker having to make a call between Johan and Austin Riley. Yep. Uh, which the fewer tactical decisions you can leave in the hands of any traditional style manager, the better. And if you were gearing a roster to have nine active guys, the, the one of the biggest thing about the the Braves roster coming into this year was that they actually. Not too stacked, because that's preposterous. But having Riley and Camargo and a guy like Duvall and a guy like Marcakis who has been, love him, hate him, whatever. I mean, he's been a starter his entire career. And if he if he does end up as the Braves' opening day starter, I don't think that that's... I think that says more just about opening day than it does about the entire season. And then you, Or you hope. Well, you've got Ender in the mix, too. So if the, the Braves have too many quote-unquote, too many good options, this is great because you've also got Austin Riley who could fill in in the outfield or Camargo who's got it. Or if you, you can ride the hot hand with somebody as a DH. So I, I love it. For, the, for this team, as hard as it was going to be to make that decision about who's going to be at third base between Riley and Camargo, it basically just says, why not both? And gives the opportunity to not have to watch Mike fulton swing a bat ever. Mike, I love you. Stop pretending. Just Ooh, stop man. swinging. 
Somebody needs to go to the batting cage, man. Uh, whoever it was that that photoshopped the lightsaber in his hand, I think it might have did been not Cody get paid Rogers. nearly. Did not get paid nearly enough money. Oh, too funny. But I I love it. I, I love the idea of of the universal DH at least for for this year, and and it's coming eventually. So I do too. And for for those of you that are anti DH, I'm not going to try to sway you here. All I'm going to tell you is the Braves are a much better team if they can use a DH than opposed or as as opposed to not having one. You can say, well, then the American League should do away with the DH. That's not going to happen ever. It's it's just not going to happen. So um, I know you don't like the DH, but take solace in the fact that it does help the Braves out immeasurably, and it means that the Braves could get even closer to getting a world title, which is really all we all really care about. But I did want to talk about that with you because 2020, I wasn't really thinking about this until I was in the shower today. Um, <laughs> sorry, a little TMI there. Whoa. But uh, <laughs> um, there, there's some real things that this – 2020 season is going to that it could potentially screw us fans out of uh, one of those things I was just thinking about today and I'm sorry I'm just bringing this on you right now but Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna were chasing Mel Ott for the home run record before was it the home run record before turning 22 or something like that and Acuna wasn't going to get there uh, he's already going to be older but Juan Soto had an actual shot at breaking Mel Ott's home run record for for the age and uh, unfortunately I don't think he's going to have enough time now because you're talking about you're going to miss 60 62 games yeah a lot of the the chasing history that type of thing is it's there's gonna be a weird impact you you've you've seen some articles come out talking about the impact on guys that are tracking towards uh paul fame clayton kershaw zach grinky that in that tier of players and what it does to their overall line uh, for their career as to losing a third of a season especially towards the back end that's it's almost just kind of collateral damage at this point and you hate it and and it doesn't change the trajectory for Soto's career as far as as far as his impact and as far as what we all know he's capable of doing but as far as the numbers go then in 10 years when there's some other hot it prospect that's chasing Ott's record then what Soto is doing will just kind of be a footnote I, I have to assume well, I know it's not like it's not a huge deal. It was mentioned a little bit on radio when it was Acuna who had a shot to break it before eventually just kind of falling through. Because I believe Mel Ott got called up when he was like eighteen or nineteen, so it's not really fair. But Soto had a real shot at breaking that, and I know Soto's on a great trajectory in in anyway. It just feels like one of the things that like that real baseball, like deep baseball fans, are are going to be robbed of a little bit. Yeah. From the perspective of most people that are probably listening to this show, I don't think that there's a an outpouring of hatred for Soto, but I think there might be some weird schadenfreude about, oh, well, you don't get to get this record through through no fault of your own. You were tracking like you were going to gonna set this record. And even the fact that he's flirting with it at all is impressive, but, but there, there's not really much way around it unless somebody decides that they want yeah. to play 162 and they, they play the World Series in January or something. Yeah, here's the thing. Here, here's what it is. By bef- Before turning 21, Mel Ott had 61 homers. Okay. Um, so Juan Soto right now is tied with Tony Canigliaro with 56. But Acuna is past that already because Acuna is 22. So I don't know when Juan Soto turns 22. Or turns twenty one, um, 
I'm going to look that up. He might already be 21. This is going to be the danger zone. But yeah, that that's one of those cool stats that like, it's going to be really hard for anybody to break that. If not Juan Soto, the next closest person you're going to have to it is going to be if Wander, if Wander Franco actually gets up to the majors earlier. Oh, see, he's born, he's born October 25th, so he's already 21. Darn it. Well, that was fun. That was a fun little rabbit hole to go down. Well, congratulations, Melot. Your record is safe for yet another couple seasons. <laughs> At least until Wander Franco gets there. I'm glad we covered I mean, that. <laughs> that's one of those. That's I know that's a weird <laughs> rabbit hole to go down, but that's one of those weird records that like I really want to see broken. Not because I not because it's anything in- incredible. I mean, 61 homers isn't you know for for most Hall of Fame guys. 61 homers is you know two seasons, but. Like it's just one of those things that's going to be so hard to break because it's such a young age to do it at. It's it's so weird. There's so many. There's so. And that's one of the things that I like about baseball that separates it from a lot of these other sports. Is there's so many of those just weird random records that are from guys that like really weren't anything special. Now Mel Ott's case, he was pretty dadgum special. But like the lists of guys that are on this stuff is like like Dan Ugla being as high as he is on the consecutive hit game streak. Like what was that when he was uh what was that twenty thirteen where he was he had like was it thirty six thirty seven game hit streak yeah I think I think it was thirty six games in twenty eleven and he still wound up only hitting two twenty that year yeah just one of the one of the weirdest things ever basically goes one for four every single game but gets one hit and when we were going through the the list of guys that were drafted and went directly to the majors you know you'd heard of Bob Horner and Mike Leake, and a couple of guys on that list. But for, for the most part, you, we had no idea who a lot of those guys were. And that was their 15 minutes. That was their tiny little sliver of notoriety that they got. Yeah, but they're forever enthroned in, th- in, in the annals of baseball history. It's just one of those coolest things. It's just you don't have to be one of the best baseball players ever to be the answer to a trivia question one day. Like, it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool. I would have... You you know that I'm a big Juan Soto fan, so like I would have loved to see Juan Soto actually break that record. That would have been really cool. Um, but I I know it's not a rabbit hole. I I just feel a little bit cheated with 2020. I feel that way for a lot of things. You you and I have talked off air about you know Ronald Acuna and how how you know he's turning 23, so he still obviously has a long way to go into his prime. But we don't know what we would have missed by the time if we start after the Fourth of July. We don't know what we would have missed in that first half of the season. Would he have been able to go 40-40 this year? Or, as he was talking about, 50-50. Now he wasn't going to go 50-50. But would he have actually been able to go 40-40 if we had a full year this year? We're never going to know that. And that, that I just feel a little bit robbed and cheated this year. And, and what about if at the end of his career, 18 years from now, if Ronald Acuna finishes six home runs short of a record that he, that he clearly would have would have hit in the the 60 games that we missed this season. There there's some ripple effects of this that we won't even be able to fully measure for for a good long while. Weird weird time. Weird really interesting time to be alive and monitor something like this. And and, and it's really weird too cuz we really don't know what's happening with the minor leagues. Uh it was reported at one point yesterday that there would be no minor league season. I believe JJ came out and said that that was not true that he hadn't heard that. So I don't think it's official. But I think it's just a matter of time until that happens. If if they're having to make this level of concessions for Major League Baseball and get this creative and keep people keep people apart, there's just 
the balancing act just for one league is one thing. And if you're looking at the minors, you're looking at 15, 20 different leagues. It's just, it's such an undertaking. And once you start to pull that string, it, there's just so much to it. I, I don't really think there's much of a choice. I think that there will be, I did see something about some taxi squads or basically an enhanced instructional league for any prospects that are expected to contribute this year. So guys like Kyle Wright and Tukey and Bryce Wilson, those guys can can be available at a moment's notice, but some of the, the deeper prospects, like everybody was really excited about seeing, uh, Vaughn Grissom, Bryce Ball, Makai Backstrom, Tyler Owens, all, all the the really great guys that the Braves picked up in the draft this year. They're still probably three or four years away. I can't imagine that those guys will have seasons. Well, and this is the part where it becomes a little bit of a business because minor leagues don't have TV revenue to fall back on. So having no fans in attendance would just be a money drain for minor league baseball, which is why I, I think that it's probably not going to happen. Major league baseball, you still have gigantic TV contracts. You don't have those with the minor leagues. And as nice as it would be for major league baseball to pay minor league baseball, well, it's not going to happen. So there, there's no point fighting about that. If you know, it's not going to happen. Um, it, it just looks to me like we're not going to have minor league baseball. And it does suck for guys like you and me who are really big into prospects. There were a lot of prospects that I was excited to watch this year, but you know, for some guys, it's a chance to get healthy when they haven't had a real chance to do it before. It's why you've seen a lot of guys go ahead and get the Tommy John surgery instead of trying the alternate method of healing, which is kind of don't use it for a while. Uh, you see a lot of people opting for the surgery. It's just one of those things we're going to have to kind of get over. So for, for the minor league guys, I don't think it's going to be anything too damaging. It's not like they can't do instructionals or, you know, work out on their own as well. It's not the same as having a game time, but you could see some guys that some guys that are really, 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 really raw that use this time as a way to kind of liven up their skills a little bit. So it could be used effectively. Just a shame. It's just a shame in general that that 2020 is going to be so off the rails. Yeah, it does look like from the prospect perspective, it does look like the draft is still going to happen on June 10th. That was the the original date that it was set for. There had been some some talk about bumping it back to the end of July. There's there's still it's still only going to be 10 rounds at a max. It's going to be anywhere between 5 and 10. I, I have to imagine that they that they push it out to 10. But there will still be an influx of talent that comes into the Braves organization, any organization really. But so we will have that to look forward to, but yeah, we'll we will be doing a lot a lot more thinking about the prospects from last year than we probably would in most draft years because it's it's just wondering what would have been for as opposed to I was super or we were both pumped about Victor Vodnik and then we got to see what he did over the course of a year and but we don't we won't have that with Tyler Owens or Andy Samuelson or any anybody from from 2019 but 2020 draft could be could be a really good one it's a really deep draft so the Braves picked 25th in the first round so it's really deep in college arms, so they could get another really high impact or high upside guy at the 25 slot that they could add in that may not be too far away. And every mock that I've seen, which it's we're still mm, six weeks, six weeks or so away from the draft, so you, I basically read all the mocks just to gather the information on everybody. But uh, take it with a grain of salt, but Cole Wilcox and Carmen, I think it's Mladensky, uh, Wilcox from Georgia, Mladinsky from South Carolina. So could be could be in there in the same trajectory as a, as a Kyle Wright and uh, some other 
college pitchers that the the Braves took, which we will get to when we get to the busted pro- prospects segment later on. Speaking of those prospects and speaking of the MLB draft, as you guys know, we have done a lot with the busted prospects. Uh, it's a very fun segment we're doing. So um, without further ado, I'm going to throw it to my partner, Doc, as we lead into one of our newest segments that is going to stick around for quite a while, as long as the Braves continue to uh, have enough bad draft picks for us to bounce ideas off of. So, Doc, take it away with our newest full-time segment. Just a reminder that the Platinum Sabero podcast is brought to you uh, by Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way, where you can wait a few weeks for a technician to do an install that'll cost you a small fortune, or there's Simply Safe, which is everything you need in a home security system that you can install yourself. Uh, Simply Safe blankets your entire home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for the entire house, outdoor cameras, doorbells, entry sensors, motion sensors, glass break sensors too. You barely even notice it's there. But what's truly remarkable about Simply Safe Dylan is that anybody can do it. Like I said, take you about 30 minutes, half an hour. There's absolutely no trade-off to your safety. You will have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dis- dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice, 24-7, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contract. So once you are done listening to this episode of TPS, go to simplysafe.com team and get free shipping for a 60-day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose. Go now. Actually, not now. Wait till this episode is over. Go to simplysafewithanI.com slash team. That's simplysafe with an I dot com slash team with an I is not in the web address. Also worth noting, this week's episode of the Platinum Sabero is brought to you by 1-800-Cauliflowers. Mother's Day is coming up soon, and if you care enough to send something, but not the nicest thing, send your matriarch a giant bouquet of cauliflower. It'll be a nice reminder of all those times that she bribed you into getting your nutrients and roughage against your will. Operators are standing by to take your call. A flower. Patent pending. (laughs) (laughs) Almost forgot. So... We're going to actually get you to go first this week because I went first. The last two that I had were Aaron Blair in the first week and Manny Banuelos last week. First time through, you had Jordan Schaefer, and last week you were Christian Bethencourt. Now, I know the answer to this question, but did you choose another busted prospect, who a position player who wound up having to convert to pitcher because he couldn't hack it? Uh, I don't know if I'd say that he converted to pitcher, but he was a two-way player before two-way players were a thing, if that counts. That counts. All right. Well, this is a guy that I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to be shocked if a lot of you don't know this guy's name at all. If you run around in prospect circles and you were paying attention to prospects way back in 2010, you pretty much know who I'm going to talk about. And that is... That is Matt Lipka, a shortstop slash pitcher slash outfield from Frisco, Texas. Uh, one of these guys that, if you guys know Connor Lean, Doc, you know Connor Lean. What's the one thing people said about Connor Lean when the Braves uh, when the Braves got him? Oh, he was going to be the next big thing. Tool shed. Tool shed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tool shed. Tool shed. Tool shed. He can do everything. Uber athletic. He's just just needs to work on the finer points of the game. Well, Matt Lipka was uh, a, a really highly touted football prospect was going to play wide out at uh, LSU, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, a teammate from his high school, Zach Lee, was going to be LSU's quarterback or whatever. But Lipka was considered pretty signable. Super athletic. We were looking at his, uh, if you look at his his perfect game showcase numbers are still up. This is a guy that received a perfect 10. I don't want to alarm anybody or hurt anybody. Um, but three picks after Matt Lipka was taken, this guy named Noah Syndergaard was selected. 
Uh, Lipka was taken 35th overall, I want to say, comp round A in 2010. This is a guy that was supposed to be a, a shortstop. In middle infield depth was uber fast, ran a 6.3560, which if you don't know, that's really, really fast. Uh, it was a guy that they were talking about he could convert to outfield. This I'm just going to read you a little bit, and this is from MLB Bonus Baby. This is, uh, this is on his actual scouting report. Ultra-athletic shortstop from Dallas, one of the more toolsy middle infielders in the draft. While he's rawer than a number of his fellow draft prospects, expected to be an early pick based solely on his tools. Wide receiver in high school had a number of scholarship offers, but chose to, to focus on baseball. At the plate, he's a solid average hitter with average raw power, though he shoots more for gaps. Could grow into his body a little bit. Scouts believe he'll actually hit for more than average power. Remember that. That's not the consensus. He's a plus-plus runner by any stopwatch and should become a key part of whatever offense he is featured in. That is just a little bit of what you're talking about. We're talking about an above-average defender, though it's more speculation, blah, blah, blah. Might end up moving to center field. Uh, so remember that. I'm going to tell you his statistics here. Um, I don't want to alarm you, but they are very bad. Doc, you heard them earlier would you not agree that they are very very bad oh they're very bad very very bad tell me about the power numbers okay so i've got his bref page pulled up um first off i should mention he has never had a single at bat of major league baseball uh he is essentially sean casmar where from 2018 all the way to 2019 so he's still kicking it has been in minor league baseball he is now in the yankees organization in 3,384 at-bats, he has 31 home runs. He has, <laughs> he, has, he has more triples than home runs. Okay, well, that's good. They were talking about him being a plus runner. He's got 40 triples. He does have 205 stolen bases, um, but he also only has 284 ribbies and has been caught stealing 71 times. In 957 games. So, you know, not great there. Strikeout numbers, maybe he's a good contact hitter. Well, 660 strikeouts versus 253 walks. So, eh. Here's where we get to the part that Doc wanted me to tell you. Yeah. Okay. This is a guy, remember, full minor league career. Has never been in the majors. His OBP is 309. My God. I'm going to say that again. His on-base percentage, which is walks, hits, errors where he reaches base, any any instance of him getting on base in the minor leagues for 10 years, his on-base percentage is 309. I, I don't have the words. His slugging percentage, even worse, 345. So for a career, he's rocking a, let's see, that's a 654 OPS? Yes. And that guy didn't make it to the major leagues. That guy was taken in the first round. That guy was taken over Noah Syndergaard. And I'm sure a whole lot more, but three picks later is Noah Syndergaard. That's what you guys need to realize. That's what you need to know. Um, that might be one of the worst picks in Atlanta Braves history. Um, I'm, yeah. not sure, I'm not sure what the ceiling was thought to be on Matt Lipka. Again, that's, you know. 10 years ago. It's a little bit before my prospect time. Um, but Matt Lipka, certainly one of the biggest busts the Braves have ever had. Well, and he was part of a drafting cycle. Of... For like six straight years, the first round picks were horrendous. Well, yeah, because after, 
and not not just that. I mean, and and it's easy to to look at drafts and say if if things had worked out differently. I mean, the the pick that Mike Trout got drafted with was if you follow the trade tree back, then that was originally the Braves pick. But at the same time, and you could say, oh, well, the Braves passed on him and all these other teams passed on him. Well, I mean, Trout didn't go till 25th. So a lot of teams had the opportunity to take him, but they didn't. So it gets tricky when you start saying if the Braves had taken this player or that player. But really, the the Cindergaard versus Lipka thing, that is like a, a, a really good example of what was going on years and years and years. Because a couple picks after Cindergaard, it was Taiwan Walker, Nick Castellanos, and Luke Jackson. In 2011, they took Sean Gilmartin, and within 15 picks shortly after that, it was uh, Jackie Bradley, Trevor Story, Michael Fulmer, Joe Musgrove, and Blake Snell. In 2012, they took Lucas Sims, who actually, at the time, was super highly touted. That was a great pick, but the very next pick, the Blue Jays took Marcus Stroman. 2013... I'm going to get to that one in a minute. In 2014, they took Braxton Davidson, and the two picks after that, it was Michael Kopech and Jack Flaherty. So, the Lipka thing was a perfect example of everything that was going on. It seems like they were gambling a lot more on floor than they were on ceiling, which, once friend of the program Brian Bridges took over, then that shifted. It was all about the ceiling. If they bust, whatever. Prospects bust all the time at least you're taking a chance on a guy that you know has can be somebody major. And Lipka just never became that guy. Gilmartin never became that guy. Sims, I mean, Sims, Gilmartin, at least those guys made it to the big leagues, and so did my busted prospect, and that was the 2013 first-round draftee. And that was Jason Hirsch. They took him out of Oklahoma State with the 31st overall pick, and in keeping with the year-over-year tradition, of having passed up a really good prospect for somebody with a high floor, allegedly high floor, with the pick after Hurst, the New York Yankees took Aaron Judge. So revisit that at your will. I'm sorry, I've, uh, I just injected that into, into everybody's memories. But you know, Hirsch in it, the pick didn't even make sense, even even from the perspective of a front office. This is when Frank Wren was still GM that was taking high floor guys and taking players that, you know, if nothing else, this guy's going to get here and he'll be a role player. You don't draft role players. You don't beat mega teams with role players. And Hirsch had had Tommy John in 2011 and he, he missed all of the 2012 season came back for the 2013 season for Oklahoma state. And he, he actually had a pretty good year and he would touch 95 and he, he had okay, secondaries, but they were just okay. It wasn't like he he had an occasionally plus-plus changeup or something. It was just he could touch mid-90s, and his slider was fine. And then after that, whatever. And so you're drafting a, a first-round reliever, essentially. And when he showed up in the Braves system, he just was as pedestrian as it got in a time where the entire farm system was just filled with with pedestrian players. He eventually made it to the Braves 2016, 2017. Those were very dark days. His career major league line, 11 appearances, no starts, pitched 12 innings. ERA was 825. His FIP was 491. So he did run into a little bit of bad luck, but he was never a major strikeout guy. He struck out six per nine. He walked over five per nine. And (laughs) hold on, hold on, say that again. 
Yeah. He, Just repeat that line. Yeah, he struck out six per nine, and which is bad. And then he walked five and a half per nine, or five and a quarter per nine. So independently of each other, <laughs> those things are bad. You combine them, it's a death sentence. So you're telling so, me he walked almost as many people as he struck out. Yeah, well, and it certainly didn't help that his BABIP at the major league level was 390 against him. Uh, and he he was giving up a, a bunch of home runs. He was he never really was too bad at giving up home runs in the minors, and then then you bring him to the majors, and it just he was doomed from the beginning. <laughs> he was doomed from the beginning, and and anymore enduring a rebuild and seeing what you need to have the pieces to to be where the the Braves are now. It be that pick is very much. It's much more questionable in retrospect than it might have seemed at the time, but I apologize to anybody who who put the rush order on the Jason Hirsch jersey. Uh, I mean, at least you got 12 innings out of him. I mean, I'm not sure why we do this to ourselves, but I do find these segments so funny. Me too. I, I like this, and, and, and I'm starting to think of uh, who we'll bring up next week. I think I've already got my guy, too. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, okay, but I don't want to give anything else away. We've already actually gone over. We thought we thought we'd be capping this at about thirty minutes. We're already almost an hour into it. So uh, enjoy this rambling long term segment, <laughs> one segment show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you <Yeah>. guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us, Doc. Uh, thank you for for coming up with this stuff. I appreciate it, buddy, uh, and for sticking with me through that weird mini stroke that we randomly had about 20 minutes ago in the show. Uh, thank you for the listeners that stuck through the mini stroke. Hopefully that will have been cleaned up in the final edit. So <laughs> hope you guys enjoy the show. Hopefully we've got some more stuff to talk about and we can get back to doing a little bit more, a uh, little more conventional shows here as we get a little bit closer to, to getting baseball back. Hopefully if any, if there's any true indicator, I can only imagine that by, you know, nine o'clock tonight, we'll have some more news on when baseball is officially going to be back. So stay on the lookout. Everybody stay safe out there. We'll talk to you uh, next time we do a show, maybe next week, maybe the week after that. Who knows? Depends on what news breaks out. But until then, hopefully you guys enjoy this, listen to it, and remember us fondly. We'll see you next time right here on the Platinum Sombrero. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.